Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Well, I'm just hopped up on meatballs. Fair enough. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Merry Christmas! Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, the host of Christmas Yet to Come, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. This Diet Dr. Pepper is red and white, and I feel like... It's Santa-like qualities are putting me in the Christmas spirit. Indeed, this episode drops on December 25th, Christmas Day, and we would love to wish you, the Say That listener, a Merry Christmas as you listen to this, presumably while hiding from your family members, (laughs) trying to get one moment's peace for yourself. We wish that you find it. As you listen to this, and either Christmas or immediately post-Christmas, or many months later, I don't know when you listen to the show, um, it, it's a little played out. I think we'd all agree. Like, uh, yeah. you, you like the Christmas stuff, you don't like the Christmas <laughs> stuff, but it's kind of, you know, we're all men of a certain age. It's kind of the same stuff, and yeah. particularly in the... Now, and, you know, we, we don't want to get into the retail aspect of that, the cultural aspect of it, but one thing we do have a certain amount of uh, experience is the, the actual ceremonial, the religious, the church aspect of it. And, uh, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas, that's big business for churches. Right, right. It's when they, they bring in a lot of, uh, you know, maybe first-time visitors, maybe people who just come a couple times a year. you got to hook them. That's right. With and, that uh, sweet cash. Given the, uh, I was, you know, I wasn't going to say it that crassly, but absolutely. you got to okay. ring them for all they're worth. Yeah. Um, but uh, your numbers would say that that's not happening right now. Yeah. So uh, we know people who are pastors or denominational folks or, you know, uh, youth ministry, whatever, listen to the Say That podcast. Um, if we were, can we give them some, some ideas for Christmas 2020? Let's start thinking oh, outside the box for next year. Yeah. Let's, you know, maybe this year you'd be like, Oh, we did, you know, they had the kids sing a song and we did a candlelight and we, you know, morning, right. it was fine. But you know, maybe next year let's, let's get creative. You're saying let's spice it up. Let's spice up Christmas. Are we, are we trying to, are we talking about going bigger? Are we talking about Michael Baying this situation here (laughs) i'm fascinated to find out what you mean by that please explore you know uh uh, jed was just telling us about how he and his lovely wife uh, took a a work trip where she had a work trip that that he uh accompanied her on uh to a city called las vegas Hmm. not familiar and they they have like you know how they have shows there like it's a show yeah like shakespeare yeah he went exactly like shakespeare they went to a show, and it had explosions or motorcycles. That's literally true. I think that'd be great for Christmas. Totally. You know what I mean? I I, I think like, it's good. Like the shepherds roll in and monster trucks or something. Yes. Like yes. It. That would get my attention. Well, I mean, there there are there's a perfect spot for pyrotechnics with you know a great light shown, and the shepherds were so afraid. You can say that, and I guess it's fine, but, you know, you set that off some flashbangs, now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a way to bring Santa in all this. Please. That, that, and it goes along with what we're already talking about. Yeah. So, of course... He's uh, a reason for the season. <laughs> <laughs> so, Santa Claus is loosely based on a guy named St. Nicholas, yep, uh, right. who's an actual saint and is from Turkey, um, and apparently actually did a lot of really cool things as a dude, which is super awesome. But one of the things that he's known for is punching heretics. Oh. This is... Uh, apparently, oh. there were, like, you know, church meetings... And 
trying to hash stuff out, and there were guys that are on some heretical stuff, and he just straight punched them. Right. Okay, so here's what yeah. I'm talking about. We set up an octagon at nice. church, right? and it's an MMA match right. between St. Nicholas yep. and people dressed as heresies. Oh. oh, and we just see what happens. Like uh, it, this is like Gnosticism. Yeah, exactly. Versus, right. You open, up, you open up the betting pool. Like I, I got a four to one on on Athanasius over there. This is what I'm talking about. Ten percent goes to the house. That's in the Bible. Exactly right. It brings it brings cash in. It brings in the young people. They yep. like MMA. Let me ask you this: yep. Where else? Particularly on the Christmas season, can you see a dude who's, yes, trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but dressed as Santa, choking out a guy in tights with the word Gnosticism written across uh, his chest? Uh, now, here's how I'm picturing Only this. three other places. <laughs> I'm talking about just the word Gnosticism printed on a sheet of paper that's been crudely duct taped to his chest. This is exactly what Running I'm Running for about. his life. <laughs> yes! As, this as is it exactly! Just gets after him. Yes. It's like, I didn't understand what this was. <laughs> I, I thought this was kind of, a, yeah. I thought this was liturgical drama. It is. Come and get your beaten. You have it. Exactly. That is a Christmas service I would attend. Yeah, I, in my too. mind, I can already hear like St. Nick's walk up music and the whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Come to the land of the ice and snow. <laughs> exactly right. That's right. Yeah. Ho ho ho. Yeah, yeah that's kind of that kind of deal. You know, that all fits. You know, because he's from the North Pole. And totally. So Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I I got another idea. Just yeah. We're, we're we're continuing to put stuff out there. In most churches, there's one or two people that's driving everybody crazy. Yeah. Right. And we all know who those people are. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if you don't. You well, are you that know person. What say. <laughs> We're putting up stockings for everybody in the church. Right. Some of okay. those stockings get filled with candy. Right. Some get filled with coal. That's Take awesome. the hint. <laughs> uh, now, I, speaking of taking the hint, um, I like that use of the symbolism. Yeah. And we could hand out stockings to all the congregants full of coal. Yeah. And that could be a way to communicate with your pastor. (laughs) When he starts talking about, you know, in a lot of ways, Christmas is like this movie I saw. (laughs) We can just, we can start reaching for coal. (laughs) And then if he describes, decides to describe this movie that no one in this room has ever seen or cared to see in brutal shot by shot detail, we start whipping coal at him. (laughs) Till he gets the idea and says, maybe, maybe you're having a hard time because your family's driving you crazy. And um, we can talk about that. And then, you know, he, he has a respite. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then he says, you know, I've been in a lot of ways, you know, Pelagianism is, and then we'd start reaching for the coal again. And yeah. what you get is immediate and actionable feedback. Yeah. 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 It's really that, good. I think that would help. And people. if you chase them off stage, y'all get to go to lunch earlier. So. Yeah, I like it. In a way, it's a kind of an American gladiator style uh, contest of wills. <laughs> One of the problems with thinking about something like this is that no matter how big you think inside your brain and how ridiculous, there's a megachurch out there that's tried it. That's you know? true. It's like the stupider you could think of something, somebody's probably already done it. If you thought, I know what I'll, you know what you, you could do is uh, install one of those, you know, uh, you know those those uh, cable mounted cameras, and you have a kiss cam. At church, yeah, it's like right. somebody's done it. Yeah, somebody's done it. You know, uh, we'll put. We call it the Song of Solomon cam. 
<laughs> exactly. Like whatever you could do. We'll bring uh we'll bring an actual camel in the building with the thing. Somebody's done Somebody's it. Somebody's definitely done that one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. that's a that's a problem with this is like you start dreaming about it, it's like doesn't matter how dumb you try to think of something. Yeah. They they already they already tried that thing. Well, I think I might have I, I'm sure a version's been done, but I, I think I might have something. I'm oh. I'm gonna put it out there and Lee, if I've Let's you know go. start okay, so here's what I'm talking about. You we got all the eighties hair rock bands who are doing reunion tours. Yeah. Right? Sure. You know, like Motley Cruz and whatnot. And that is in no way sad. <laughs> <laughs> the not that. prudently invested tour. Welcome <laughs> right to the jungle. <laughs> 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 Striper on the real estate market correction tour. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about your monsters of rock, but they're going to perform the Christmas cantata. I'm wow. talking about like Vince Neil and Motley Crue play Mary. Did you know you're, you're talking about a rock opera. I'm talking about a rock opera. The pastor thought having black Sabbath lead. Uh, <laughs> what child is this was a really great idea. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you got to cast the, you know, the various roles here. Totally. You know, I think Absolutely. Black Sabbath would be great for your three wise men. Yes. Sure. You know, yes. Because they, only get three of them to show up because Ozzy doesn't get out of bed for that kind of money. Yeah, that's, you know, you got to. <laughs> yeah. Tony that, o- Tony Yomi at best. Yeah, well, but I, they kind of have the right look for yeah. like no. a, they look like they could be. They kind of look now like they've been riding a camel for a while, <laughs> if you think about it. They've crossed well, so the desert could, on a camel. Would you have Kiss be the angels that that uh, spoke to the shepherds? No question. Yes, That's absolutely. That. In the makeup, yes, too, dude. Yes. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the heels alone are tall enough to where they're in the heavenly... Heavenly bodies. I'll tell you, this is where we have left this being a fantastical idea, because for, I'm going to guess, a horrifyingly low amount of money, Gene Simmons will show up and do this gig. (laughs) Well, I think it would be good, though, along the lines of the unrehearsed element of this, if the actors were just sort of improv and sort of, you know... Because, you know, then kiss, because you got to lower them from the ceiling. Right, absolutely. I mean, they're angels that are appearing from on high. Yeah. Okay, you know what I'm saying? They're playing angels we have heard on high, yeah, and then spitting blood. Okay, <laughs> that's what we're talking about here. Am I wrong? No, uh, no, okay. you're absolutely okay, right. Here's what I'm saying: is you do that, and the you know you you have to kind of try and capture the shepherd's expression right. of wonderment. <laughs> And also extreme confusion. <laughs> but the shepherds, the shepherds though, are ACDC singing back in black. Oh, you know, before the angels show up, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah. When you think about it, Angus Young could be a shepherd. He really could, <laughs> right? He really, yes, he yes. could be a very. Well, he looks. He looks like he's been outside for a long. He's time. been outside a long time. <laughs> Like it's just been a rough year of shepherding <laughs> yeah. for this dude. Yeah, yeah. That would that he would fit the part, you know. Yeah, and and of course for the innkeeper, there can be one one person to fill that role, and only one person. That person, of course, is Alice Cooper. Absolutely, you've <laughs> done it. Yeah, you've nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to my nightmare. Yeah, this is this place is fully booked. <laughs> that's what this is. Come on, man. This uh, this is. This is a great idea. Yeah. I promise you there is somebody that listens to this podcast who is in charge of some 
thing for a megachurch and they're taking copious notes oh yeah <laughs> dude if you put together the monsters of rock mu- christmas musical and also the saint nicholas mma cage match <laughs> i will show up for that well the mma match is like the opening act this evening the- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's right that's right season's beatings <laughs> ah season's beatings <laughs> We are yeah. not going to top that. You, you had that loaded and yeah. in the chamber. You were yeah. waiting for the moment. Yeah, there it yeah. is. Excellent. That one. On that basis, we declare emergency off. That's sad in both directions. Yes. What's not sad is Bridgebox. Ooh. Bridgebox, mm. we're very thrilled to bring you on the first of every month, right into your inbox, songs, sermons, Bible studies, more of the like. We're going to be moving swiftly into the month of January where our topic will be, I'll give you a little preview, how do I deal with success? We had a lot of fun uh, looking at that at our bridge service. We ran a Bible study. We got some songs from very talented friends. Only $8 a month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. The number one way that folks who like the podcast and what we do here can show a little appreciation and help us out with what we do on the streets in Chicago, what lead us down there in Tennessee, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, move on to our first question here. If you hang on this all the way to the end, I'll use some ways you can touch this, or you can scroll down into your episode description wherever you're listening to this and click the links there. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, I just came through a really dark period. I got help from a therapist, and and things are going well now. I know I should keep working on maintaining the progress I've made, but I feel like I'm just so tired. How do I stay motivated? And a really interesting question, and I think it's a a great follow-up to a lot of stuff we look at quite often of getting help, of making steps, of getting in your forward progress. There do come those moments where you're you're through that, that what we may refer to as crisis mode, where you've managed Mm -hmm. the thing, and now there's still work to do, but it can be a little harder to find that motivation when you're not outrunning that crisis. So, Lee, what do we do when we're moving into that kind of maintenance mode? This is an awesome question. I think the number one place to start is we all uh, are, are extremely proud of you and proud to to be a part of your tribe. I mean, way to go. Um, you know, you're going about this the right way, seeking out the professional help that you need, going through the steps, doing all the things. That is amazing, amazing work so far. I would start this out by, by uh, kind of laying out a little story of... Uh, last summer, my my family, we hop in the car to go visit my little sister who lives on the coast. And this is going to be like a long, long, long drive. And there's this moment when you're embarking on a long drive, especially when you got a bunch of little kids in the car, where um, you you kind of pull up the Google Maps. And, the, the, and you've probably done this before, where your drive is so long that you can see the entire United States of America as they plot your route. And you're like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know. And it's just this feeling of like, I should not be able to see on this, on this screen both the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans while I'm looking at my, my, my driving route. Um, and so then you just start plugging along. And at first, you got a certain amount of energy for that and everything. And, and you, know, you might have stuff, great stuff to listen to or you're you know, uh, you know, singing along with the music with the family or whatever it is. And then you get to that slog part of the drive where I would rather do anything than drive one more mile on this thing. There was a moment like that that I had on this this particular drive where, and, and this is a great moment with the Google Maps too, where you pull the Google Maps back up 
And the whole thing just zooms in like crazy on the now the one state of the 50 that you're in. And you're like, dude, and you realize I've actually come a really long way. There is, that was a, a shot of adrenaline for me looking, just realizing, uh, even though I was in, I was super discouraged. I did not want to keep going on this drive, but all of a sudden I had a real visual aid that told me you have come a long way. There's still a long way to go. There's still a lot of work to do, but you've come a long way. I, I tell you that story to say this, that it might be time to look back over your path and kind of start making a, almost like curating an exhibit, a, kind of a museum exhibit of your victories. Every step that you've taken, every milestone that you've hit, every every kind of checkpoint that you've moved through where you've accomplished something you set out to do, where you put one foot in front of another, where you got this thing, this certification from this class that you did or whatever that would be, but to kind of scrapbook the little victories. The truth is that you have come farther than you know, that yeah, there's still a lot of work to do and it's hard to get that energy for that because you're in the slog phase. But what if you had a way to look at your whole journey and realize, dang, I've come a long way. I started down here. Now I'm right here. And whatever that would look like, maybe just, maybe for you, it would be a physical scrapbook that you would take some screenshots off your phone for different things, different uh, meetings that you had or different moments or different, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. And you would, you know, go up onto one of these websites where you can make a little photo book and you would just make a photo book and have them ship it to you. And you could just physically see, this is how far I've come. There is an amazing energy that comes from watching that map zoom in and realizing I do have a lot of work to go, but I have come a long, long way. Um, that that one little shift in perspective can really give you an, a lot of energy for moving forward. Again, we're proud of you. We're praying for you. What you've done so far is amazing. The question for me, for me is, how can we curate that experience? How could we create an exhibit? How can we create some kind of tool where you can see this is how far I've come? This is an, a classic Old Testament practice that the Lord was constantly telling his people to set up what he called a stone of remembrance to, to say, you know, this far the Lord has brought me. Um, that's, the, that's the old Hebrew word Ebenezer. That's where we get like Ebenezer Scrooge. That's what that means is a rock of remembrance. God has brought me this far. How could you do that? How could you set up some kind of a practical thing that shows yourself, I have come a long way? That may give you an energy for the next step. It's a really, really fantastic place to start that off. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to to pick us up right there on that idea of, you know, it's, I think it'd be easier for us when we are tired, when we are exhausted, to not differentiate that because screwing things up can be tiring. Yeah. Um, But figuring stuff out can be tiring too, but there's almost a different way we need to think about that tired and really process that yeah. and move on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I. A well-earned tiredness is not something to be depressed about or ashamed of. Uh, it's it's hey, I I I worked hard. I'm tired. Um, that's the way it should be. That's the way that makes sense. It's not a pleasant or positive thing, but it it's it is a, a byproduct of a positive effort here, and so we should we should see it in that way. Um, he, and I would 
also kind of tack on to that point the idea that it's always bad to assess where you are when you're tired. Mm. Get untired, then we're going to do a lot of assessing and calibrating and where are we at and what's... what's and we'll analyze this and make final conclusions when we're not tired. Um, uh, so I, So let's give ourselves time to focus on getting past that tiredness and reserve judgment for what this is and where we're at, uh, both on yourself or you, these relationships and whatever else. The work that you're doing that, that got you to this place of being tired is a work on your thought life, and that thought work on your thought life shapes your emotional responses to things, so you have a healthier, more balanced emotional life because you're controlling your thought life. And um, this is the battleground uh, where uh, the enemy is tempting us and the world is messing with us and our flesh is uh, trying to get us and go, to go in all sorts of crazy directions. Uh, problems with the way we were raised gets us open to certain attacks, and so we are perceiving things that aren't even happening at all, and we think that they might be, and that guy looked at me funny, and I don't know. And so... There's a lot going on here. This is the battleground, and we're 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 fighting with that. It's important for you to recognize that the fuel and the resources and the the the, the stuff that we need to fight in that on that battleground comes from the spirit. I think there's a ten a, a, a tendency to look at and say this is all a spiritual battle. And it is in the sense that the enemy is trying to attack us and in the sense that the God has a purpose for this, for me to overcome it and be stronger and have better usefulness to the kingdom. But it's not a spiritual battle in the sense that this is taking place in the world of your thoughts and feelings. It's taking place in your mind. So, uh, And it's also not a spiritual battle in the sense of this battle gets harder when you're tired. This battle gets harder when you are uh, tempted by things in your past. This battle gets harder when your flesh is doing what your flesh is doing, give you temptation and whatnot. So it's important to look at this as an emotional battle that you're fighting. It's an emotional battle that you're winning and that the spiritual part of this comes in being renewed and being refreshed, uh, getting the patience that you need, getting the, the peace that you need, getting the hope that you need, all of those things or what fuel us, I think we get a sense of, if I'm tired from fighting this battle, that must mean I'm not very spiritual, and if I'm wrung out at the end, maybe I didn't win this battle, because you're, at the end of the battle, you're supposed to just kind of be at a place where everything's smooth sailing. It doesn't really work that way. Uh, it, it, the way that we can see all these things, the place that we can get into where all this makes sense, is recognize our, our work and our rest and our play needs to all be in balance. So you, you're doing the work that you need to do to get your, yourself where you need to be, which is awesome. Let's, let's tick that box. Let's give you the, the credit for that. That's as it should be. And sometimes you have to give that more effort because it needs more. So we've done that. Uh, but now we have to balance it back the other way. We need the rest and we need the play. When I say play, I mean fun stuff. That could be video games with your friends. That could be a sports league. That could be just catching up on your favorite show on, on TV or whatever those things are. 
finding things that change that channel, get you out of your headspace, get you into a more positive frame of mind. We need a balance in all of these things. Give yourself permission to balance back on that and then take a look at what this looks like. That's very, very good advice. And Jed, love to use close out here. And I think we can pick up right where Glenn's leaving us off there because it is that idea of, um, I wonder if we are not looking oddly at what the fuel for this is. You know, people when come out of the crisis mode often think it was the fear, it was the panic, it was all that I might lose if this went wrong that, that fueled me into doing well, which on some level that may be true, but there's almost always some positive fuel in there and maybe yeah. that's the kind of thing that'll help us moving forward right i think it's absolutely true and, and i certainly want to echo and reinforce what both glenn and lee have already said uh i think that there's two kinds of fuel so there's there's direct fuel in terms of here are the positive things i recognize these changes have brought about in my life you know that, so that's going back and looking at how far we've come and and maybe cataloging what is better in my life now because of all of this work that we've done i bet if you take an hour to sit down and think about that you can come up with actually quite a bit on that and if you want to go deeper with that i think uh in general something that's a really good idea and that we heartily recommend is keeping a gratitude journal uh, and engaging in gratitude exercises just in general in your life that's a thing that we definitely recommend but i think you can do that in a targeted way too i think that you can keep a gratitude journal pertaining specifically to this you know that i'm working really hard on making these changes and here are the things that i am grateful for related to that here i am i am grateful for this change that i can see manifest in my life i am grateful for this breakthrough that i was able to make i'm i'm grateful for this improvement and this better outcome i think that will that will help you actually quite a bit. And I think you should regularly go back and review that gratitude journal. Again, the targeted one that has to do with these changes mm. that you're making. I, I think that will, that will help because it's, it's it, exactly what Lee was talking about in terms of looking at how far you've come. But then there's a more general kind of fuel, which goes to what Glenn was talking about with balancing work and rest and play. You absolutely need stuff that lets you let your hair down and just have some fun for a while. Uh, uh, you know, again, there's not really a right thing on that. It's just whatever works. Uh, you know, what that could be one guy that's video games, another guy that's hiking in the mountains. Uh, one of them's actually not better than the other. It's just whatever, whatever works for you, whatever, you know, makes you feel like, um, you, you, you've gotten a break from it and you've, you've done something cool that you feel good about. But then let's look specifically at that idea of getting a break, because this is really important. Almost everything in life benefits from a rest cycle. Almost everything. There are very few exceptions to that. You know, if you want to be, um, if you've never written songs and you want to write songs, if you are an, a you know a beginner songwriter and you want to become better, here's the absolute can't fail advice that I can give you. Take 30 minutes a day and sit down every day and work on writing songs. That's how you do it. hundred percent. No exception. Yeah. No question. That's how you do it. Right. 30 minutes a day, every day, no matter what. But here's the thing is you do need to work a rest cycle into that. Maybe that's once a week. Maybe it's every two weeks. Maybe it's once a month, but taking a day or a couple days where you're not doing that, where you are deliberately not working on this so that you can come back fresh at the end of that rest cycle it's really important and you'll be a better songwriter at the end of that rest cycle than you were at the beginning. I can't tell you what that's going to look like for what your therapist has you focused on. 
because uh, there's a lot of specifics and details. But I think it's worth you talking with your therapist about what would a rest cycle look like for me? How do I introduce the concept of a rest cycle into all of this work that I'm doing? Because a rest cycle is not the same as saying all bets are off. And you know how I was trying to manage my thought life? I'm not doing that for these two days. That That's, that's not what we mean. But it is about saying... How do I lower the intensity level or how do I for a day or two days or whatever shift it into more of a maintenance level and we're holding ground rather than trying to advance on this? How do we build a rest cycle into this? Again, there are very few human pursuits that don't benefit greatly from a rest cycle. And that would be a great thing to talk to your therapist about of how do we build a rest cycle into this? What does that look like? How do we make that work? Um, I think you'll find on the, uh, on the, the other side of introducing a rest cycle, you're going to have more energy. You're going to have less of a sense. I think there's a little bit of dread in what you're describing. You're going to have less dread. And I think you're going to have more insight which will fuel all the other stuff that we're talking about in terms of seeing how far you've come, seeing you know that sense of gratitude for it. It, it will all become a self-reinforcing cycle, but I think the key thing there is figuring out how do we get a rest cycle built into that great work that you are doing. That's all very, very sharp stuff, and I think it ties into exactly what uh, these other two brothers were saying. It's something we look at uh, very often as far as getting out of crisis mode and getting out of crisis mode thinking is moving um, our thinking from how bad can this get before I have to do something about it into how good can this be? So let's say, right. for example, you're, uh, again, we don't know your situation, but let's say it's relationship counseling and we, you know, we, my wife and I fought like cats and dogs and it was unhealthy and it was toxic. And we finally went to, you know, the counselor and we got some good tools and we worked through some stuff. And now we are to the point of, uh, you know, functional. Well, you could try to mo- live from here on in, but how bad can things slide back before we have to go back to a counselor? Or you can dig in and say, we got from hot mess to functional. How much work, more work could it be to get to really good? And the answer is a lot less work than it was to get from hot mess to functional. So you might as well, well do it. But it does take that shift in thinking from, uh, that fear-based thing of I don't want it to fall back into bad like it was versus that really more uh, positive idea of what's the ceiling on this? How good could this get? How good could my my you know my way of thinking get? How much could I pour into my family if we go to family counseling and all that stuff? And that's it seems like a small thing. It seems like kind of a double speak way of saying the same thing. But if you, when you reframe your thinking in some of those ways, it really can help you move through those periods. All right, move to our second question here. It comes in anonymously that says, So, spiritual warfare. Is the devil really out there messing up traffic so I get angry? I've heard the verses about our fight not being with flesh and blood, but with dark spiritual forces. But what does that actually even mean? And this is very similar to actually a topic we had at the bridge fairly recently where uh, somebody name-checked driving out evil spirits. So I'm uh, glad mm. that verbiage wasn't in this one because that can distract a bit. Yeah. But Glenn, I think spiritual warfare is one of those things, be it it can be used in a hinky way. It yeah. is in the Bible in those exact terms. Yeah, yeah. But it always feels like n- I rarely hear Christians talk right at it. You know, this is a thing you'll have to deal with in a practical way and not a woo-woo-woo way. So what does it actually mean? Well, uh, superstition is real. Oh. That's real. Uh, I grew up in a in a Cajun family. Uh, some of y'all are not familiar with Cajun culture. If you've heard of Mardi Gras, that's Cajun. Uh, my uh, grandmother believed 
into the core of her soul that I was going to be rich. Uh, the reason why she believed that is I had a mole on the back of my neck. And to Cajuns, that is an omen that you will be wealthy. Uh, mm. There is a saying that goes with it, mole on the neck, money by the peck. Well, it rhymes. It must be true. So when I say superstition is real, you, you can hear that and say, well, that's just silly. Okay, let's just figure out where that line is then, because it's clear <laughs> there, but yep. it, get, it gets unclear when we start moving towards uh, what, what we start talking about on this. Uh, the devil is, uh, uh, not only is he real, he's also got a plan to mess you up, and if you don't know what that plan is, it's probably working pretty well. <laughs> so let's let's figure that out. Spiritual warfare is about, if you want to talk about what 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 is, how do we do it? How do we have good spiritual warfare? Here's what it is. Don't let it work. Yeah. He's trying something. Don't let it work. You can pray and things and whatever, and you can get all emotional about it. You can get all mystical about it. Can I bind things? You can bind things. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you got to choose to not let that work. And that's tough because he's attacking your biggest area of weakness and offering you the thing that you want the most, you know. Uh, and so it, it, this is, makes it very difficult to not buy into that. It makes it very difficult to do that. Uh, and it means that um, you can see how God has a positive purpose within that, that as the enemy attacks us, he's showing us what we need to work on. He's showing us what will happen if we buy into that. And of course, we do buy into it to a certain extent. And then we see that I shouldn't be going down that road, and that should affect the level of temptation I have on it. But I got to I gotta process that. I got to make better choices. I got to look at that. Spiritual warfare is about not letting it work. Uh, here's, the, here's the big misconception. You think Satan is trying to win at a sporting event where he gets points if you do a sin. Sounds dumb when I say it out loud, because it's not how it works. He doesn't care if you do any evil thing. He really doesn't. What he cares about is you are not going to God. That's all he cares about. If he can give you a bad feeling, that's way better than getting you to do a bad thing. If you did a bad thing and had no concern about it whatsoever, it kind of wouldn't mean anything. The point of getting you to do the bad thing is to get to the bad feeling. That's his game. You, you know, it's, you can't feel guilty unless you do something to get the guilt going on. So that's the whole game. The guilt is the whole point of that whole thing. Uh, and with the reason why the guilt is the whole point is if I get guilty, if I get ashamed, if I feel like I can't go to God, then I won't go to God, and then everything's a sin at that point. Mm. There's no way I can be on God's plan. I can't be living a godly or righteous life because I'm just disconnected from him. And I've disconnected myself from him because I've bought into this mentality that I can't go to him and that God's heart is not towards me. So that bad feeling is what he's trying to get going. The sin is just a mechanism to get there, the, 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 the thing mm -hmm. that you're doing wrong. So if you recognize that, you figure out where the battle is. The battle is in your frickin' attitude, not the thing that you're doing. So let's mm. let's focus on that. Uh, let's say, for example, um, 
that your basement floods. This is a terrible, terrible disaster. And it's at the wrong, perfectly wrong days. It's like, this is, everything's going wrong. Here's what you can do. You can bind it. You can cast it out. But you're going to have to bail that water anyway. Ah, try binding <laughs> it with a bucket. So, by all means, <laughs> bind, bind, bind the water flooding demon. Why not? I, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but you're going to have to bail that water anyway. Yeah. Let's make sure we're clear on that. Ah! me out because yeah, sometimes i think there's a mentality of i'm going to do all this mystical stuff and that's going to keep me from having to live out the reality of solving this problem mm. so that's let's make sure we have that clear here's another thing i i have two other bad choices i can make on this one is i can wallow in the self-pity of my basement is flooded with water. And if you've ever had a flooded basement, you know that's pretty easy. I got stuff down here. I don't want this is a mess. This is just a disaster. I can't be okay with this. You know, I feel terrible. If you wallow in that, eventually the devil's going to have his way. Uh, so that's a bad road, road to go down. But here's the other bad road we often go down is on the opposite extreme of, you know what, it's fine. Sure. All the time, God is good. God is, he, he's good all the time. And that's, it's just... It was repeated. It must be true. You know, the the basement's <laughs> flooded, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. That's, that's, you know, that's fine. That's, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's not a problem. You know, I'm being honest with myself right now. You can tell because my voice is going up really high. You know, that's, you know. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing is, um, you're supposed to be mad. You're supposed to say, this is uncool. You're supposed to say, maybe I was overdue for this, but it still isn't okay with me. You're supposed to do that. It, it, it's important when things go wrong in your life to recognize that God cares about it. So it's okay for you to care about it. If you deny how you feel about this, what you're doing is you're protecting a doubt and a resentment that you have deep down inside of you. You're keeping that from being addressed. If you keep denying, 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 the doubt and that anger and that frustration builds and builds and builds, and that goes to a really bad place. Mm. So the the measure here is, am I making forward progress? Am I processing this? Am I dealing with it? Am I going from angry and frustrated to giving it up to the Lord and getting some strength and handling this business and being diligent about it? That's that's overcoming, that's spiritual warfare, that's whatever you want to call that. That's resisting the temptation and getting the job done. Everything else is a, an unhealthy direction. That's a really fantastic place to start this off. And Jed, I'd love you to, to pick us up there. I think one of the other things, as, as Glenn is pointing out, some holes in the thinking a lot of us may have about this stuff, is that um, because it's evil, evil, even yes. the devil's plans are just ineffable. Sure, and who can understand them? And I wouldn't. I wouldn't even want to understand them if I could even think about what it would be to be naughty. Sure. Um. But as as Glenn points out, if we can kind of wrestle this down into the devil has a goal. Yeah. We have an enemy who has a goal about us not going to God. We the schemes become a little more um, comically basic at that point. Sure. Are they not. So how do we get around? How do we get to that point? As, as Glenn's pointing out, of realizing something is off with this thinking. It's a great question. I think in a sense we can work backwards. So 100% agree with everything Glenn said. Uh, to go right along with it, here's here's another way uh, to look at kind of a, a common big picture goal that the devil has, right? Is there's a step you need to take. There's there's a step that that is before you 
devils just want you to take that step. And Amen. critically, he super doesn't care which thing will work in keeping you from taking that step. Right. Doesn't, right. doesn't make any difference as long as you don't take the step. I mean, you can think of it in a military sense. You have a mission you've been assigned to accomplish. He just doesn't want you to accomplish that mission. Don't care what uh, causes that. makes no difference as long as you don't accomplish the mission. That's, that's the only thing that we care about. So as an example, let's imagine that in your life, the thing that's really – the next, the next thing you need to do is figure out how do I draw boundaries with family members? Uh, it's a common thing for a lot of people, but, but for you, just as a, for instance, let's say that's the next thing that we need to, to work on. Dude, there's a million ways for the devil to play that. And it's critically important to note, I don't think he has a preference as long as you don't draw boundaries with your family. So let's, let's run through a few options. The first is, Let's say that you're starting to sense that you, you kind of need to draw uh, boundaries with your family. You know what? It has gotten to be such a busy season at work. It is just, I am just so busy. It's, it's over. You know, I, I need to think about that. There, there are some family dynamics I need to look at. But you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that. Let's, let's wait till it's less busy, and then we'll look at that. Dude, problem solved. You're, it's no problem. You're not addressing the thing with your family, so it's cool. It totally, the devil didn't have to do anything. It totally worked. It's amazing. Does that mean that you're doing something wrong? Does that mean that a busy season at work is spiritual warfare? Uh, nah, nah. All that matters, and this is p- part of why it's risky when we start looking at stuff in the context of spiritual warfare, is we want to start assigning blame and whatnot in a way that it doesn't quite fit exactly. Right. Again... You do need to draw boundaries with your family. All the devil has to do is tweak your head a little bit to make you feel like you're a little bit busier than you are, and you'll just wait a while. That's fine. That's a win for today. That's, that's no problem at all. Okay, let's look at a completely different angle on this. You need to draw boundaries with your family. Mom calls. You know, dad's going through a rough time right now. It's just, it's a rough time. And, you know... If you could go out of your way to be sweet to him, that would really be great. It would really mean a lot. Well, now, if you draw boundaries with dad after that phone call, you're just the worst child in the world. (laughs) The worst. Again, it doesn't matter to the devil whether the busyness at work or the weird phone call from mom. It doesn't matter which of those keeps you from doing it. It doesn't make any difference. And again, we want to be clear. That doesn't mean your boss is now a tool of Satan or that your mom is a tool of Satan. It, does, it doesn't work that way. That's, that's not the thing. One of the things about the devil is because he only cares about an outcome, he's going to be as subtle as possible. He's, he's not trying to show up as a flaming boogeyman to freak you out because then you would know something is up. The, right. Amen. The thing that he wants is the smallest possible amount of pressure where you don't even think about it. It's the, I probably need to draw some boundaries with my family. And then, you know what? I'm a little busy at work and I want to do it right. And I don't really have time to do it right now. Plus, I got the phone call from mom and I don't want to be a, I don't want to pile on if dad's already going through a rough time. You wouldn't think there's anything spiritual to any of that. That's the point. That's that's mm. the whole thing, is that you don't think of it in any spiritual terms at all. The, the thing to him that is terrifying is if you say, I have gone to the Lord, I have talked with my accountability partner, I have talked with my pastor, I know the next thing I need to be working on in my life. In my case, it is drawing better boundaries with my family. 
I'm going to put together the best plan that I can, but I'm also setting a bit of a clock on when that's going to take place. And perfect or not, we are going to move forward with the next step that I need to take. That is going to happen. And here's the plan through which we're going to execute that. The devil hates that because he Mm. can't be subtle anymore. If you... There's an old phrase that says, what's well begun is half done. If you get in the motion of the next thing God's calling you to do, he's going to continue to come after you, but he's going to have to be a lot less subtle because the subtle stuff won't work anymore. If you've determined, I know what the step is and I'm going to take it. And here's roughly speaking how I'm going to take it and when I'm going to take it. There's going to be, there's going to definitely be pushback for sure, but it's going to change because the subtle stuff uh, would no longer apply there. But again, the thing that he cares about is not you shouting hail Satan. The thing that he cares about is not like I'm saying that you do a sin. It's that you don't do the next thing that's in front of you. And whatever it takes to keep you from doing that, particularly the subtler, the better where you don't think about it. That's the thing we're going for. That's absolutely right. And Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because I think these guys have started us off in a great path of kind of basically divorcing. There's a cartoon image of the devil we all have in our mind who yep. is sitting there, you know, trying to, as Glenn pointed out, trying to tempt us into doing something naughty be- so he gets naughty points. Um, the Bible talks about what the devil tries to do to us in it lines it out in some clear ways that are not cartoonish. What does the Bible have to say about the way the devil interacts with us, tries to trip us up? And what does that have to do with this little thing? What's great is it's going to come right on the heels of exactly where these guys are leading. What Jesus said is that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. Um, you know, when Glenn talked about you are, you're going to have certain feelings and Jed is saying he wants to distract you from certain objectives. He wants you to not do things and he wants to put, um, I love the way Jed said this, the, the lowest amount of pressure possible to where you won't do the next thing. That's the next right thing that's in front of you. And a lot of times that's going to involve feelings as, as Glenn was pointing out. And I'm going to use the same phrase that Jed did in maybe a slightly different way. And I'm going to say, we're, what we want to do is work backwards. Because one of the, the, what Jesus said is that when the devil lies, he's speaking his native tongue. And as a kid growing up, I, I never really understood what that verse meant until I went overseas. Um, the first time I went overseas, I had taken, um, I went with my wife to China where she was raised. And um, I had taken a semester of, of or I've taken two semesters of Mandarin. And so I was working my butt off to try to speak, you know, Chinese with, with these, with, with folks over there. And it was like every single day, it's like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And your brain is tired. You're, you're worn out all the time. And when I got back on a plane, the, the first plane that where I was in the United States and realizing I was listening to people speaking English. I wasn't even paying attention, and I knew everything that about four different conversations were saying. And I thought, you don't have to try when you're speaking your native language. Um, and I realized for the first time, I think that's what the Lord is kind of hinting at with, with the enemy when he says, he's, when he lies, he's speaking his native language. In other words, it's just, he doesn't even have to try. It's just lies come out of his mouth. And what he wants to do is, he wants to get you discouraged. He wants you to, he wants to get you in your own head. He wants to get you angry. Again, as these guys are saying, it's not because he wants you to sin. He just wants to stop you. And so if we want to work backwards, what I want to do is I want to look at, I, I want to 
remember those kinds of things and say like, okay, if I am discouraged tomorrow, if I am afraid tomorrow, if I am insecure tomorrow, could it be that I'm being lied to? Now, the, my next question is going to lead us right into Jed's line of thinking, which is why? Why am I being lied to right now? What is it that's in front of me that if I succumb to this emotion, I won't do the thing? Now, that level of thinking, that's the kind of thing that's terrifying to, to the devil. Yep. Because if, if I'm just discouraged and I, try to, uh, and I try to understand the discouragement, <laughs> I'm probably going to get more discouraged. Um, but if I stop thinking about the discouragement and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm discouraged. What could I be being lied to? Why would somebody be lying to me right now? Oh, it's because somebody asked me to help this person. And if I'm in my own feels enough, I will not get off the couch and go help that person. I'll stay in my own feels on the couch when I know the Lord is calling me to go out and help that person. You see what's happening here? If we, if we go ahead and look at the things that we're feeling and not try to understand all of it, not try to plumb the depths of my insecurity, but instead say, wait a minute, hold on. Am I being lied to? Why would somebody be lying to me right now? Is there an objective that if I was out of my own head and I was confident, I would go do that thing boldly? Well, I might not be confident and I might be feeling insecure, but I'm going to just go ahead and go do that thing boldly. Holy cow. That's an entirely disrupted uh, battle plan from your enemy. You went ahead and did the thing. I've got a really, really good friend who struggles with discouragement a lot. And I was talking with him a couple of weeks ago and he was explaining it to me. He was explaining his discouragement and he just felt so down and everything. And I said, so what did you do? And he said, well, you know, I went ahead and did this, this ministry. He was explaining like a ministry thing he said, I really didn't want to go because I was feeling so down, but I went ahead and did the thing anyway. And he said, I don't know. It was probably worthless. And I was like, no, no, no. It was the opposite. In the middle of you being lied to so that you would be discouraged, you went ahead and did the thing. The whole point of the barrage of discouragement and all those lies was to get you to quit. That was the point of the thing, for you to quit. The fact that you didn't quit, even though you were discouraged. dude. That's like, that's like an extra victory. It's like a double victory. It's crazy impressive. And that changed, I mean, he was looking at it like, well, I went and did the thing, but I felt bad, so I probably wasn't in the victory of the Lord. No, 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 it's the opposite. It was amazing. It would have been easier if you hadn't been discouraged. You did it anyway, even though you were discouraged. Holy cow, let's all give you a standing ovation right now. I think if we work backward in those ways, we look at the emotions and we try to ask the question, why would I be being lied to right now? What is the next thing in front of me? What if I just did it anyway, no matter what I'm feeling? That's really, really excellent stuff. And all these guys are pointing to a similar thing, which is an undramatic solution. I think people hear the idea of spiritual warfare, be that in a maybe a more charismatic context, where again, we're actually talking about binding the water demon as opposed to turning on the sub pump, <laughs> which maybe turning on the sub pump is the most effective way to cast out said water demon if it goes with the water. Um, or, but even in kind of a, a normal, you know, your mainline, you know, firstly, uh, theologically sound church, 
you may hear the idea of spiritual warfare brought up as the idea of just the very dramatic things. There's everyday life, but then in these realms you don't even see, there's a great battle raging, which, I mean, I guess, kind of. Um, but the solutions, what we're called to do, as these guys are all talking about, are very small things. It's, you know, you it is going to the thing. It is not being a jerk to a person, who the nearest person to you when you feel like being a jerk. It's not, you know, chasing those bad instincts. A lot of it is is taking a moment to, as Glenn was kind of pointing out, when you realize something ludicrous is happening, uh, just taking a second to laugh at it, shake it off, and not let it d- define your whole day. These are um, inherently undramatic and unspiritual feeling things but they are you know kind of that in a weird way it is that we're talking about those moments where the things that are going on this kind of spiritual uh you know realm as the bible some uh translations do put it is bleeding over into our day-to-day physical world and you don't meet that with more drama you meet that with continuing to beat on in, in the in the kind of the world we have and kind of the one step aside if you look at any we were actually talking about this at our tuesday lunch we were talking about um what we were going to preach at the what I was going to be preaching the bridge that that night, and one of the things we got thinking about is every time you see read in the Gospels where Jesus interacts with legit like demons, like possessing people and making them flop around and stuff, demons. There's never that big holding up the hands moments, and you know it's it's not you know Dumbledore with the staff and he's shooting a beam of light at them and giving a big speech <laughs> it basically boils down to the way you talk to your cat who's jumping on something they shouldn't be he basically most of the conversations Jesus has with demons basically boil down to hey 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 stop it and th- so they do um, get out of here yeah. go to your crate get yeah crate um <laughs> which <laughs> there is a, a template for us there. Obviously, we're not cast cast the demons, but it's not you know roll up your sleeves and this is going to be the fight of a lifetime. And this is every day we put on our armor for battle. You know that the part in Ephesians where Paul talks about the armor of God, like everything except the sword is meant to just hold ground. Like you have we have made this vision in our mind of uh, Braveheart style battles where. You know, that's two very large lines of people. And then right at the moment where they're about to run into each other, they all break up into individual tightly choreographed uh, one-on-one fights where if our main character had a helmet on, he no longer does. So we can tell he's our main character and these kind of things. Uh, Roman battle, actually, like what Paul's describing actually happened, like you just kind of put up your shield and put it next to you and just you just walked forward. That was how the Roman legions conquered the entire known world was by putting, getting behind their shield and slowly, but unceasingly walking directly forward. And there is, I think something in that for us of how to overcome such things. All right, we'll move on to our final segment here. I thought as this is our last show of 2019 and like, I'm sure the rest of you, we are not particularly sad to see it go for a uh, lot of reasons, uh, but there was some awesome stuff, some fun stuff that happened uh, in our kind of ministry and uh, whatnot in 2019. So we'd like to occasionally give you guys a peek into the kind of the more day-to-day stuff we do other than just the podcast. So I asked these guys to maybe think of an example of just a favorite ministry story, a development, a cool moment from the year. And Jed, why don't you kick us off? Right on. Well, one of the things that that's a theme that we talk about a lot on the show is the idea that you don't have to to 
do something that feels or sounds ministerial to have a ministerial impact. You know, you, you don't have to be the person that's saying profound words and the, the great wisdom. You, you can just love people and, and use whatever you have at your disposal to do that, and, and God will, will work through it. So I'll give you an example of that. So I'm always on a lookout um, at the bridge for guys that have played music before and, and that, you know, want to, you know, do some music in the future. Uh, uh, that's not, um, put it another way, I'm looking for that because for people who have played music, it's often a meaningful thing in their lives. It's kind of a cool get to. And for folks who are working hard to make changes, they don't have a lot of cool get tos. There's there's a lot of of um, slogging through life, so we want to add in get tos where we can, right? So fairly regularly, what Pete and I will do is if we've got a dude as a musician, we'll kind of come up with a recording project that we want their help with, and we'll come over here to Glenn's uh, house and we'll spend about an hour recording. Um, and then we'll go, uh, grab some lunch together and just hang out a little bit and then we'll take them home. But we, we do that pretty regularly. And, uh, we're not trying during that time to, uh, say big wise things or, you know, get into the tough issues. I mean, if guys want to talk and sometimes they do, then we're happy to talk, but it's, it's mostly about just petting on them and, you know, saying, having fun playing music and thanks for helping us out. And you sound great and let's get some food. I mean, that, that's what these sessions are. So we had recently a guy named John who played a lot of music in his life and he had played a lot of blues kind of stuff. So Pete and I put our heads together and we came up with an idea. What if we took an old kind of gospel blues song, a track called Why Don't You Live So God Can Use You? I think it's Muddy Waters who did it originally. Um, and we'll kind of make that a basis for like a hip hop track. I think it'd be you know kind of a cool thing. So we'll we'll record kind of the blues song together and we'll get this guy, John, from the bridge. He'll he'll come and we'll get him to, to lay down a you know bass part on it and we'll we'll do our usual thing. So we have a plan and we're gonna do it. Well, John's delighted. He'd love to. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. So a random Thursday afternoon, you know, 2 p.m., we all arrive at Glenn's and I set up some microphones and we kind of, you know, fiddle around a little bit and I get level set. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. Nothing spiritual has been said. Um, you know, uh, I, I have not sermonized. Pete has not swooped in with a Bible verse. We didn't even do the, you know, before we get started, let's just have a moment of prayer. It's just, it's just three <laughs> dudes hanging out. We're just cutting up. We're just playing some music. So uh, we've got everything set. I'm like, all right, fellas. Well, I think we're good to go. Let's do a first take, and we're just going to have fun with it. All right? You know, the beautiful thing about recording is if you mess something up, you just keep going. It's cool. I, I'm going to edit it later anyway. It doesn't matter. So we're just going to let our hair down. We're going to relax, and we're going to have fun. So we play kind of a swinging, up-tempo kind of blues number. We're having a good time, and we you know, and, and, you know, know, and we jam out for a good five, six minutes, and then we, we finish it. And I, I hit to stop the recording on Pro Tools. We all kind of look at each other with smiles on our faces. And it's just kind of that, that pause in the room. Like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then John just burst into tears. Mm, wow. He just cried his eyes out and burst into tears and started thanking Jesus that he gets to play music. Wow. And I think that... That moment meant a lot to me for a lot of reasons, but I, I want to pass it on to you, I think, actually, for similar reasons, where... All I did was share what God had given me. I didn't sermonize. I didn't quote the Bible. I just, I'm a musician and I know how to do music stuff. Why don't you come do music with me? And that's the thing that John needed. He needed someone to be generous with what God had given them towards him. That, that's what he needed. If I can do that, you can definitely do that. There are Johns in your life. There are people in your life that are... are desperately waiting on someone to be generous with what they've got towards them so that they can experience God's grace through that. And 
we've seen a lot of times, actually, that moment of feeling just included in something, just respected in that sense and included, be a pivotal moment in the lives of the guys that we work through, work with, where, where they, they go from feeling like, I don't know if this God thing is for me, I don't know if this bridge thing is for me, too. No, this is it. That nail my feet to the floor. These are my people. This is my thing. I don't ever want to be anywhere else. Right. Uh, again, if, if God can use something as simple as a few guys playing music together for a few minutes to do that, he can definitely do that in your life as well. Absolutely. A beautiful story. Uh, super awesome. And Lee, what do you have for us? Well, uh, this is, uh, it's in some ways similar to the story that Jed told in that it's, there is a definite uh, thing that anyone can do in this deal. Um, the There's a few, this is true of a lot of ministry, ministry things, and, and Glenn has said this kind of idea on the podcast before, but there's so many ways I could tell this story. I could tell it in a way that would sound like, wow, you're truly amazing. And this, that you just showed up and these guys, now these guys are, are you know, doing this thing. Basically the long and short of it is every Tuesday, um, the the local high school in our town uh, if you are a junior or a senior, you can leave the school during lunch. You just have to be back within the hour. That's the deal. So you can you can go to the library if you want to. You can go eat at a fast food restaurant. You can go home if you can make it back in time. Um, so I've got a group of guys. Uh, it's 12 to 15 guys every Tuesday show up at my house, and there's pizza, and I bake cookies, and we have grape soda. And they sit around my table. I ask them questions about their life. And yeah. This sounds amazing. Can I come? So so far it's pretty cool, right? Right? I, I ask them questions I ask them questions about their life and and they talk. And sometimes we look at some scripture and and we get somewhere and sometimes a guy follows up and you know, and it's not like a Bible study per se where everybody's got a Bible open. It's just a conversation. And I'm directing this conversation. And um, you know, it's one of these things where you, you know, it would be easy to tell that story of like every Tuesday, 15 guys who don't know Jesus are in my house and we're talking about the deep things of the Lord. Well, that's one way to tell that story. The other way to tell it is that most of the guys, the guys that are seniors, I have been showing up at their school and at their baseball practice and at their rec league basketball games for four years putting in the consistent work of being around. Sometimes that was just like, hey, man, what's up? High five. Hey, you want to uh, ride with me to this uh, basketball game that's in the, you know, down over here in Powell? And they're like, yeah, dude, I don't even have a ride. Let's go. And then grabbing some Zaxby's on the way to the basketball game. It, it, it's that kind of, I mean, we never, you know, we never prayed with anybody. Never, let, let me ask you, what do you think about Jesus Christ? It was none of that. It was like just slowly over time, over the period of years, just hanging with dudes, just being the guy that's there. Um, I think that most of these guys, if you ask them, they would not know that I'm a pastor. They would not know that I, they, they would not know that I work in a church. They just know that I'm the guy that has been in their life consistently. I'm the guy that's shown up. This, they wouldn't know to call it outreach. They wouldn't know any of that stuff. We were having a conversation one Tuesday. Now that we're, now that we're like doing the thing, now that we've got this kind of, uh, this kind of audience, they're eating the cookies, drinking the grape soda and, you know, and eating the pizza and everything. And I asked him a question and this one guy said, I have no idea what you're talking about because I've never been inside a church before. 
So what does that mean? You know, and it was just these, it's these kind of conversations that youth pastors, they would drool over being in this conversation. It's like, this is like the holy grail of like, this is where we are in actual outreach now. This kid has never been to a youth group meeting. And we're having this conversation about Jesus. And and it didn't come overnight, and it didn't become, come because we threw a big party. It came because I showed up, and I was just a dude, and I just acted like a person for years. Um, it was overtime, consistency, small conversations, hangouts, um, you know, shared experiences, and that's something anybody can do. That's not something that, I, you know, that, that you have to have a lot of theology for. It's not something that you have to earn through, you know, pastoring or anything like that. You show up and you're consistent for people and those relationships earn you the right to ask the questions that everybody actually wants to ask. That's how, um, that's how outreach is done is that you love people, you're consistent, you show up, you earn the right to be heard. That is absolutely right. And Glenn, what would you close us out with? Uh, one of the uh, uh, podcast super fans uh, that is out there in the world that one of our favorites is a gal named Sarah. And Sarah was listening to the show when, when I was in Toronto, where she lives. I had a chance to uh, meet her there. We did a, a, a meetup of super fans there. It was great meeting her. And she was talking about stuff she was dealing with in her life. She ended up addressing that. Uh, she ended up uh, uh, finding a new church and getting involved with a new ministry that works with uh, women who are in sex trafficking and, and dealing with all of that and going to strip clubs. We've talked about it on the podcast before. And in fact, she's been on the podcast before and, and been interviewed talking about that work. And it's you know uh, just super exciting to me to see her growth over time and all the things that she's doing. So I'm shifting into my wintertime hobby. Wintertime hobby is working on guitars and instruments. I do that for uh, Jed and some of the music. I mentioned that recently. Well, I'm doing that, and I'm thinking, wait a second. One of the things I remember Sarah saying a while back was that she um, did guitar lessons, and that helped supplement her income and, and all of this kind of stuff. Well, uh, so for for me, uh, I started thinking, well, I've got a bunch of spare parts laying around. I bet I could assemble something if if that would be of use to her so i reached out to her and said you know just so i know is that something you would need or use in uh help you uh get a little extra income so you work with the ladies in in the sex trafficking she says absolutely you know that would be huge you know i don't i don't have an electric guitar uh i know that's what you build and i said well yeah and so for months this was you know uh, early in the fall uh, all the way through, I've been working on these two guitars, and they're you know it's a bunch of uh, old beat up parts that are broken down, and I'm redoing them and refixing them up and all of this. And and uh, to me, this is every moment of this is a joy because it's it's helping me to relax and unwind. But the idea that this would provide more resources for, for someone else and yeah. that that she would know that she is loved and that she can tell these students, you know, that they are loved because someone put this together so they can use it and that that will allow her to then have some income that will allow her to go and, and go into a strip club and tell a stripper that she is loved. This is a lot to be setting in motion. Uh, that's one of the most exciting things that happened to me this past year is having that mm. opportunity. Um, uh, to me, 
that's the power that can that can be unleashed when you're doing that helps kind of ministry. That's absolutely right. I will tack on my own uh, shortly at the end here. Um, we have a, a one of our deacons, who's our, our newest bridge deacon, which you help fund if you're a Bridgebox sub- subscriber. You have funded our deacons program. We've been able to cut uh, the various men and women who've filled that role over the last five or so years who help out. Uh, they write letters to people in prison. They help out with our job stuff. They help out with our housing stuff. Been a huge boon to our program. This is men and women who come up through the bridge program or products of the ministry. And uh, we have never had a, a single deacon paycheck bounce. That's because of you, the Bridgebox subscribers. But our newest one is, is an amazing guy uh, named Jeff. And a uh, big blessing this year was that Jeff got his uh, a housing thing came through. So he got his own apartment, which is super huge for the guys we work with who are coming out of residential programs. You imagine if you've been in prison for a certain amount of time, then you go to residential drug rehab where you're maybe, if you're lucky, you're in a room with one other person, much more likely seven or eight other people. It gets a bit trying to be a grown adult and have that situation. So we actually have a lot of folks who uh, make a bad decision to leave way too soon because they just lose their mind. And Jeff held on to the bitter end. They finally got him set up a lovely place. It's his, it's he's the only one who lives there. Um, but we have another awesome program that our, our coworker Pete found for us for the folks we have who are moving into these uh, uh, situations where is a basically you've heard like a food pantry. This is a furniture pantry in Chicago. They will furnish you if you're in, we have a partner station, but because this is all happening around Thanksgiving and the holidays, it was going to be like three weeks between Jeff getting into this apartment and his furniture actually showing up. Um, and that's a long time. You can make it, you know, with you can make it three weeks without a microwave or a table. It's a long time to go without, you know, a bed. So Pete came to, uh, to, uh, cause these intractable type problems are our friend Pete's to solve. He came to, uh, our Tuesday lunch meeting one day, uh, stricken because in Pete's mind, the thing he was going to have to do was to out of his pocket, go buy a bed because, uh, Jeff has had some health problems and his knees are bad and he just, he can't sleep on the floor for a, a night, much less three weeks. And he's, uh, he's an older dude and air mattress is kind of the question for a number of health reasons. So. We got to figure out something. Now, as we covered in the previous episode, I got double married this year. Mm. Woo! Um, at the time, I so I still have my old apartment because my lease is, is not up for a little while at the time of the story. And uh, so I had, had to do anything with my old stuff because I was informed that none of all my furniture was going to be, I believe the military plays is surplus to requirement. Mm. My <laughs> furniture was not going to be making the move. Because it was just too amazing. Yeah, just didn't want to drag down. You know, wow. what was going already on That's here. Cool. So that means I had a bed that I had in my old studio apartment. Uh, so Pete comes and is has a look on his face of I'm going to have to whittle a bed. Where do you get a bed? This is Tuesday. We got to have this by like five. And I was able to say oh, I have a bed. I, yeah. It's right over there. We can just go get it. Me, Jed, and Pete just went and folded up the mattress and folded up the thing, and boom, bed. So that's super fun to do in the same way that Glenn's talking about it. It's a, it's a thing, and it's super cool to solve somebody's problem with that. Somebody like Jeff's been working very hard. But the that the next week at the bridge, Jeff was still saying thank you, which was, was super awesome. But he added this detail that just, I've been doing this for eight, a little over eight years now, so it just blew my mind. He's, he pointed out, he said, yeah, I've never slept on a mattress. And that, this is not a very nice mattress, but it's fine. He said, yeah, I'm used to the wafer-thin ones at county. If you can imagine the mm. worst overnight, um, you know, camp 
you know, one inch of plastic filled with charred up newspaper you've had. He said, I had, and he said he was in Cook County jail and had to go into the medical ward because he had to have some kind of surgery. And they put you on a thing that is basically a concrete block that is bolted to the floor with one of these little mattresses on it. And if you, if like there's another one that's not being used, so you try to double up, they take that one away. So this is what I've, he's had to sleep on. So my thing that was just like, great, this is, I don't have to take this to Goodwill. I can just pawn it off on him this way. This is what I'm saying. I've never had something this nice mm. in this way. So that really two things. One, as, as Glenn's pointing out, there's no such thing as a little bit of help. You offer someone something. And two, the people we work with right. at the bridge, I can't explain the lives these people have lived up to this point. The idea of, I've never slept on a comfortable mattress. And to have the the character they do and the faith that they do to be working on their situations, have the positivity and the optimism that makes those of us who work here in Chicago always have to want to raise our game to serve the people like this. So we have to think so hard, put so much prayer into the problems they have and the situations they're in, because that's, those are the kind of people we we work with. Those are the kind of people you're helping um Support if you if you listen to the podcast, you get to Bridgebox. Those are the kind of people that you're out. We know that that's the kind of people who listen to these shows. You may not have as such a. Hopefully, you don't have the same material issues these people do. But if you're the kind of person who gets up, sees something like this, downloads it, applies the the stuff we're saying your life writes in. You're someone who who's moving forward. You're someone we are honored and privileged to, to talk to, to get to know, to hang out. And it's always awesome to hear from you guys throughout the year. And it will be a lot more fun in 2020 as we take an on a new year. So that's our show for this week. If you have a question for us, say at podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Take out one more Christmas song. Being that it is Christmas Day, there could be nothing more appropriate than Lee's version of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. All right. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, closing Christmas rock opera song, Def Leppard, pour some sugar cane on me. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> yes. <laughs>